ESPN 94.1 FM at AM 930 present The Drive. Brought to you by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. Local then, local now. Never FDIC. It is Wednesday, November 11th. Your drive begins now on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. You can join the program by calling the Miller Lite phone line at 877-420-TALK. That is 877-420-8255. Miller Lite holds true great taste. It's only 96 calories. It is the original light beer. So coming up today on the program, I promised you this yesterday, but we have more details. And uh, Chris Dickerson, longtime sports journalist in the area, He's fond of the rock band Kiss. Also, he works with the West Virginia Record. But he's going to join me on the program today more as a parent because there was a petition which has been denied from volleyball players at three Putnam County high schools. They were asking the WVSSAC commission to uh, allow the opportunity to play in the state tournament. So parents, players, trying to get a uh, temporary restraining order and try to prohibit the SSAC from conducting the girls' state volleyball tournament and and hold that off until after November 14th. But uh, the lawsuit and everything was denied. Now, we're going to have Chris on here in a few minutes, and he's going to tell us what his group, what the parents are trying to do. He was at the state capitol today, and he actually spoke with Governor Jim Justice, And we'll find out what happened at that protest and what, if any, uh, recourse is left other than the protesting and trying to sway uh, Governor Jim Justice to uh, make a decision or to change his mind or to um, help come up with some sort of different plan in regards to what can and can't happen with the WVSSAC. So we're going to get into all of that here a little bit later on. As I promise, your phone calls also on Twitter, at Paul Swan. You can find me there. And on Facebook, we've got a page for you. It's The Drive with Paul Swan. We appreciate you if you follow any of us, uh, any of our social media accounts. I really would appreciate it. Now, um, not much happening today. A little quiet today. As far as I'm concerned, I mean, there have been some schools that have been announcing no fans at basketball games, uh, limited attendance, 10%. I mean, that's a number I've seen at a, at a couple of venues, a couple of places. We still don't know what's going to be with Marshall, if Marshall's going to have a non-conference schedule. And, of course, I'm saying that. Marshall released a non-conference schedule. I'm the one saying, I'm not sure it's going to get through. You might have a couple of those games. You might get a few of those games. and I, I don't think you're going to get them all. And if you do, you know, more power to the herd. But I don't see it. I, ha- I really don't. I don't see it happening, or at least – in its current form. And you're seeing more schools come out today announcing that not having fans or there's going to be a lot of restrictions here. And this is where we're at right now because every day something has been postponed or canceled. For example, and this is a big one, Maryland pausing all team-related activities due to an elevated number of COVID-19 cases within the Maryland football program. And so Maryland and Ohio State, that game, big deal, coming up on Saturday. Canceled, not going to be rescheduled. So that's a big game. And if you've been following the games that have been knocked off the schedule, 
there are some programming holes happening here with the networks, ESPN, CBS. And I've seen some of you put it out there that maybe CBS should pick up the Marshall game with Middle Tennessee. I don't see that happening. Yes, the game is on CBS Sports Network. I don't see that as a altering of the schedule here. You might see CBS increase Masters coverage. Uh, that seems to be the indication I've been seeing. And again, this is all fluid. It could change, so don't take my word for it, but it could change here in the next day or two. But I would think if you're going to make that change, we're looking at Wednesday here. You know, Do you make that change tomorrow? Do you make that change Friday? Is it a noon game still? We'll see. But I've seen that put out there, so I'm paying attention to you. I know that there's a possibility here, and I'm sure a lot of you would love, a lot of you would love to have that game on CBS. And I don't know if CBS is going to grab that game and say, okay, uh, that's going to be – we've got it on CBS Sports Network, but let's move it to CBS. I don't know if, if they would do that, if they would make that decision. Because the plane crash is it's, – it's us. It's our thing. Here in the tri-state and Marshall community, it's our thing. It's, it's about us. It's something that we don't forget. It's something that we remember. And I don't know if CBS is looking at this like, okay, let's grab that game because of this. I don't know if that's in their mindset, you know, as a company, as you know, the people who are in charge of making program decisions. If they're looking at it like that, I mean, ESPN's taking College Game Day, taking it to the Masters, and it was because of finances. They weren't looking at the significance of the day in college football history more than they were looking at okay, what makes sense dollars and cents for the company in their mind. So I know a lot of things that are happening on social media, and I feel for you. I get it. I understand. It gets a little upsetting sometimes, but at the same time, the game's going to be played. You'll be able to see it. There will be the ceremonies that go with it. Nothing changes other than College Game Day decided not to bring their fancy desk to Huntington, and the game's going to be on CBS Sports Network. Not on CBS, but they, that could change. I'm not. I'm not saying that the possibility is gone. I'm just saying I don't think it's going to happen. Chris Dickerson, we're going to have him on. We're going to talk a little high school volleyball in the state of West Virginia later on. We're going to hear from Will Omer, Devonte Beckett. I had a chance to catch up with these gentlemen yesterday. I talked to Will a little bit when I got a chance to start out a couple of questions about the importance of the 75 games. Same thing with Tavante, so you're going to hear that in, in the complete entire audio of it. We're going to give it to you every single question, so you'll hear all of that unedited when we come back. But Chris Dickerson coming up first. As I mentioned, he's a longtime sports journalist in the area. Loves Kiss. I mean, the rock band Kiss means almost as much to him as uh, his his children, which, by the way, he's a parent of volleyball players. And Putnam County cannot participate at this time in the state tournament. Chris joins us when we continue here on today's edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930.
This is The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Presented by Miller Lite. Holcher, great taste. Only 96 calories is the original light beer. Proud sponsor of our phone lines at 877-420-TALK, 877-420-8255. We appreciate them and uh, joining us now on the program, um, I don't know how I can hype him up much more than I did. Um, he's a Hall of Famer, uh, sports journalist for many years, uh, works the WV record, the West Virginia record, uh, loves Kiss, sometimes maybe more than his children. Uh, I don't know how much more I can hype you up, but uh, Chris Dickerson with us on the program. And um, did I get it all in? I mean, I know I messed up. I didn't have Kiss as a rejoin bed. I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> That's all right. That's fine. Thanks for having me on. Hey, um... In all seriousness, uh, you've been uh, pretty busy over the last few days. Uh, you alerted me to this, yeah. and uh, we were going to have you on yesterday. But the 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 whole thing that's going on here is um, several teams, including all of Putnam County, not going to be able to participate in the tournament, the state volleyball tournament, because of yeah. the color-coded map. And there was a, a petition, a lawsuit yesterday – and there was a protest today. Let's go first with um, the petition itself and what happened there. Well, um, the, the quick backstory is three of the four high schools here in Putnam County, Hurricane, Winfield, and Buffalo, all qualified for the state volleyball tournament in each of their classes. The volleyball tournament starts tomorrow morning. We, they, all of these teams qualified on Saturday when Putnam County was gold. Well, Saturday night, Putnam County turned orange on Big Jim's all-knowing, all-colorful coded map. And that means orange teams are not allowed to participate. However, you know, there, our argument is that football teams were, are given this opportunity to wait until the next testing map comes out to see if the color changes. Not only that, but cheerleaders were competing last weekend at the same time in their regionals across the state. And cheerleaders from schools in Orange counties were allowed to participate in regionals there. Earlier this fall, golfers and cross-country athletes from Orange and Red counties even were allowed to compete in events if they took a COVID test and uh, the test came back negative. So there's just a lot of inequities going on, and it's not just a gender thing. It's not just a football thing. It's it's just they're not treating all the sports fairly, and that's our issue. So we filed the three teams here in Putnam County. We filed uh, a petition for temporary restraining order and emergency junction to get the SSAC to stop the tournament or let these girls play. Oh, even though the county's orange, which, by the way, Putnam County turned back to gold today on the daily map. But, you know, that the weekly map is the one they base everything on. So we filed the petition, like I said, in court in Kanawha County, and uh, Judge Webster had an emergency hearing at 4 o'clock yesterday afternoon, went two and a half hours, and she sided with the SSAC, basically that they are not showing any uh, discrimination to volleyball players. So we're going to appeal to the Supreme Court, which we would have done today, but today's a federal holiday, so they're not open. So we have to wait until first thing in the morning. 
Meanwhile, the state volleyball tournament starts at nine o'clock tomorrow morning. So we've got our back against the wall. I was and gonna... I say we because I have daughters on the team, but you know, I'm just a parent. <laughs> I'm just I just see something that's not being handled properly or fairly by the state and it's really frustrating for not just my two daughters, but their teammates and every player on these six teams. There's three here in Putnam County and three in Wood County who are affected the exact same way. Yeah, that's going to be my next question. Uh, what do you think will happen? or what do you, You're hoping that you can get this um, at least delayed until these teams are mm-hmm. given the opportunity to participate. I guess once the tournament begins, is there any hope of that, or you know what? what no, do you, yeah, you know, I mean, and it wouldn't be fair because you know Buffalo is supposed to; they would be playing at nine o'clock tomorrow morning. But you know they're they're not going if they don't change it by then, they're not going to let us play at nine o'clock on Saturday, which is when Hurricane is supposed to be playing. Um, but you know the funny thing is, well, not funny; it's really actually insane if you ask me. Uh, all these these teams, anyone in the state, actually. But these girls can go to the Charleston Coliseum this weekend, buy a ticket, walk in there, and watch these other teams compete. But they're not allowed to be on the court competing. And the the tournament. No one can explain that to me. Yeah, and my question is the tournament hasn't, um, or the WVSSAC hasn't offered a remedy as to. Testing of the, the the teams that are involved because we're talking, you know, well, how many athletes are on a team, right? We're not talking uh, a football there's team. There's anywhere from ten to fifteen. Yeah, there's ten to fifteen on these on all six of these teams. Okay, so that play, that play, yeah. So testing so could have happened. Seventy to eighty girls, uh, forty or fifty in each county. Yeah, it easily could have happened. Well, and but here's the thing, um, you know, where I'm a former sports writer. Uh, I knew football playoffs start this weekend. I knew last Sunday the SSAC would be having their weekly football playoff meeting up at their offices in Parkersburg. So I drove up there myself, and I talked to Bernie Dolan, the executive director of the SSAC, in person. And he told me then that the SSAC was aware of the situation, and they hated it. And they had been trying to do something with the governor's office to let these teams play. He said they had offered three solutions. One was uh, to have the girls wear masks while they're playing, which they gladly would do. They would do whatever it took. They would take a COVID test before the game or two days before whatever would get cleared. Uh, The SSCC also suggested to the governor's office, well, if these counties are gold on like before the tournament starts, what can they play? And he told me that the governor had shot down all three of those suggestions. I emailed the assistant executive director of the SSAC today, Dr. Cindy Daniel, and she told me the same thing. That was after our uh, three teams from Putnam County held a rally at the Capitol this morning uh, before Governor Justice went in for his uh, daily COVID press briefing. And uh, he told me and the girls that he was trying to do everything he could, but he wasn't going to change things. He couldn't change things. He kind of pointed the finger back at the SSAC. So the governor lied to all those girls standing there and crushed their dreams. And it's just awful that the state and our leader doesn't care about these girls. So is there any chance we could get everyone in the same room to, to verify everyone's story? 
I know that's probably uh, impossible, but <laughs> well, you know, basically well, so, have I, everyone I, I together. Told today at the SAC, I told the, that woman at the SSAC today, I said, well, you all should be aware that the governor is throwing you all under the bus. So I would uh, ask him about that. Chris Dickerson's joining us. Uh, he uh, has covered sports for a long time in the uh, in the region. Uh, also, um, more recently, you're with the uh, the West Virginia Record. But uh, today, you're you're mm-hmm. representing uh, just yourself and your children as uh, several teams in Putnam County uh, not able mm-hmm. to participate in the uh, state volleyball tournament. Right. And there's um, there's no recourse here whatsoever to. To change the schedule, I mean, the judge was basically saying this thing couldn't be rescheduled, or you know, I, I'm trying yeah, to. Yeah, the SSAC, the SSAC argued in court uh, in the hearing yesterday that they do not move state championships, and that's fine. You know, don't move it then. Just let these kids in orange play like the cheerleaders were allowed to last week, and the uh, tested Orange County teams in uh, cross country and golf earlier this season. You know, and um, they they say that volleyball is a medium risk spread sport, just like soccer, and they say football is a high risk spread, but cheerleading is a low risk spread. And I, whatever they want to say, but there, anyone who's followed sports and knows anything about sports, there is no way to compare the the physicality and body-to-body contact of soccer to volleyball. I've covered volleyball. I, I'm with you. I know 100%. Yeah, there's I, I've a covered net it. between them. Those, there's, you know, there's distancing if, if the net girls, if you uh, disinfect the ball for, you know, during, you know, changing play, uh, if people yep. are wearing masks. But my whole issue here is uh, there wasn't even a uh, an avenue to let these uh, young ladies participate if testing was uh, happened. If your team tested clean, and was able, you know, and I'm sure there'd be multiple tests here. If you tested clean and, and decided to, you know, wear masks and have all other safety precautions here, uh, that that wouldn't been a, um, you know, a fair enough exactly. uh, compromise here because, you know, other other sports have already participated in their events, and so, yeah. you know, I know I understand where you're coming it. from here. I'm I'm trying to just figure yeah. out why there couldn't have been a compromise here to have a tested team here. We're, we're not talking that many student-athletes per school. Exactly. And, you know, this pile on top of that, it's these girls who aren't allowed to play because of the, this county is orange or gold today, but they were orange last week. But they can still go in and give the SSAC 10 bucks and walk in and buy, uh, sit down and watch these other teams. They have no problem with that. But they won't let them be out there on the court 20 feet away from where they'll be setting. So... You know, um, there are just so many inequities. And, you know, like, uh, let them test, like you said. I have a uh, relative who plays golf for Wayne High School. And Wayne County was orange or red at the time of the state golf tournament or state golf championship. He qualified, so he wanted to compete. He went and got a COVID test, was negative, and he was allowed to compete in the golf tournament. So, you know, there's just so many inequities. And, you know, for the life of me, I can't figure out why the governor has dug in the hills about volleyball. Six volleyball teams, mind you. What do you hope happens? Uh, what are you looking for since it's almost evident that these young ladies aren't going to be able to play? Uh, what do you hope right. to, to try to achieve from this point forward? 
Well, you know, we just now we just have to hope that the Supreme Court changes the Kanawha County ruling, which, you know, I've followed courts for 15 years writing about them. I don't think it's going to happen. Hopefully it does. But I, what it comes down to is the governor. It's all in his lap. Um, and he could change this with an executive order or he could tell the SSAC, yeah, make those modifications that you suggested about letting orange teams test or wear masks or, um, you know, whatever. Uh, just, but he won't do it. It's not, why he has picked volleyball. I guess it's because, you know, it's not a big revenue sport like football. That's another thing. Um, the sectionals this week, we played our regional championships on Saturday. As you know, SSC, SSAC has these calendars, and they say, well, you have to play your regionals on these dates. You have to play your sectionals on these dates. Uh, they gave the AAA teams in the Eastern Panhandle, uh, Musselman and Jefferson, they're in Berkeley and Jefferson counties. They let them wait until Sunday when they turn back gold to play their volleyball regional championship. Okay, so they've set a precedent. They've set a precedent, though. They, yes. they, they will uh, be flexible in their dates. Yes. Yeah, but they say they won't be for state championship events, which is what the state tournament would be. Uh, the logic to there makes no sense to me either, but that, that's what they say. However, but getting back to that Eastern Panhandle thing, you know, of course, where Martinsburg's football team is located, oddly enough, and they found missing tests like uh, missing poll election results, I guess. But they, those teams in the Eastern Panhandle were allowed to play, wait and play their regionals on Sunday. But Wayne County was orange last week also, and Spring Valley, Tulsa, and Wayne were not given that opportunity to wait until Sunday to play in their regional championships. And Spring Valley and Wayne, for sure, had a very good shot at advancing to the state tournament if they'd been given a chance to play. But they were not even afforded that opportunity. Chris Dickerson's joining us. Uh, you remember him from his uh, years of uh, working sports uh, across uh, the tri-state, uh, most recently uh, covering uh, the state, now an active participant in it. Um, so obviously you, you, you're you not writing about this uh, with the w, West Virginia no. record, but uh, you're now the story to a degree uh, because um, – I'm just, I'm just fighting for yeah. uh, about 70 or 80 kids across the state, not just my two. You think you can maybe work away uh, as this progresses to see if there can be more equity down the line, save this uh, stress and aggravation, and, and at least get something more consistent across the board? If, uh, are you guys going to push it that far or that hard? I'm going to personally, yeah. Um, I've actually been talking to someone with ESPN uh, outside the line, that show, you know, where they talk about issues off the court and off the playing field regarding sports. And they, uh, a common, a friend of mine shared something that I posted on Facebook yesterday and they are definitely interested in the story. It's not, it's too late for these volleyball teams this time, but they want to look at these inequities that are going on with the SSAC and the governor's office for sure. Chris Dickerson's joining us. So, um, Tomorrow, 9 a.m. at the earliest uh, is uh, when everything begins uh, again to try to yeah. uh, see if there can be any um, any resolution to this or uh, at least uh, a stay or a temporary restraining order, anything that will maybe— Anything, yeah. yeah. 
And I someone in the governor's office just saying, yeah, I'll go ahead and let these teams play because that's what's fair. They've earned it. They won their sectional and they won their regional. They've earned this right to play in the state tournament. And you know what? If any of these teams went down there and got beat 25 to nothing in three straight sets, at least they were there and they had the opportunity that they deserve and that they earned. Chris Dickerson joining us. Uh, maybe next time when we have you on, we're talking about something um, we like, uh, like Kiss. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or yeah. Hall of Fame. And, you know, people who are in the Hall of Fame or being inducted into the Hall of Fame at Marshall for broadcasting. You know, well, stuff we like to talk about. Days, we're going to get around to we're going to get around to doing that one of these days. You know, we had to postpone that event this fall because of everything going on, and we're still trying to do something this spring, but it doesn't look like we're going to be able to secure that just yet. So we'll just have a really big shindig next fall and, and induct even more people all at once. It'll be fun. Was this the Bill Bissett induction? Is this the year we were putting Mr. Bissett in? Yes, it was Bill Bissett and uh, Dan Hollis and – you know, just there were there were five people, and we, there Chris Fabry is one. Uh, he's a respected radio person, and we just we just can't do it right now. You know, as much as we'd love to, it's just not a good time to have all these people fly in from around the country, uh, or you know, make reservations to fly in, and then the week before we say sorry, we can't do it. So we're just uh, gonna we're, we're we're certainly gonna honor them still, but. We might just have an in-person event with uh, the 2021 inductees next fall. No virtual event here for Bill Bissett, the uh, current president of the Huntington well, Chamber of Commerce. We might do something, you know. I mean, he's a he's I a just, Zoom you know. call all by himself. I don't know if you know if if you know him well. He's a Zoom call all by himself. He absolutely is. He's a great guy. He's a uh, you know he uh, he loves Marshall University and the School of Journalism, and obviously the city of Huntington. And, uh, you know, it, it, he's well-deserving of being in the Hall of Fame for everything he's done in his career, and, you know, he's not even done yet. So. I don't want to give him too much of an ego. Let's, um, let's, let's dial it back. No, we don't have to do that. He's already got it. Yeah, I was going to say dial it back a little bit. Let's, uh, let's <laughs> no, just dial it back just a little bit on him. Uh, Chris, good luck. Uh, keep me updated. We'll uh, follow this and uh, keep an eye on it and see uh, what happens tomorrow. All right, thanks. Chris Dickerson joining me. The um, the case continues. We'll see what the um, what the decision is tomorrow about the volleyball tournament. When we continue, uh, we're going to hear from Will Ulmer. Uh, we're getting ready for the game this week with Middle Tennessee. That continues here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. Don't worry. Paul Swan has the wheel on the drive. ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Presented by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. This is The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget, if you missed any part of today's program, you can always go back and listen to it on our podcast. All you have to do is find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, or wherever you get your podcast to listen to today's episode of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. So we've got a game coming up on Saturday between Marshall and Middle Tennessee. It's also the 75 game, so there's a lot of significance with the players when it comes to this game, this date, and what the meaning of it all comes down to for them. One guy who shared his uh, thoughts on this with me yesterday was Will Omer, and that's where we begin to talk a little bit about what this game means to Mr. Omer. This is... um 
this is a game Doc says is the most important game on the schedule. Um, what does it mean to you, this 75 game? Um, you know, I think it, it definitely is the most important game on our schedule. You know, it, the 75 game always means more to us as players, but I think this one in particular is, is very significant because it's the, you know, the 50-year anniversary of the, of the plane crash, and we get an opportunity to go out and, uh, you know, honor that team by playing a conference game at home in great weather. I think it's just, you know, a great opportunity for us, and I think it's an important game that we need to go out and win. Is there ever any added pressure? I mean, you've been in big games before, but when you come to this one, is there any added pressure? Because to a man, it's – you don't lose this game. You you can't lose this game. So, I mean, what's what's the feeling going into this? Uh, added pressure, just resolve. Uh, you know, I wouldn't necessarily call it added pressure, but the the entire team has the understanding that you know this week it means more than any other week. So, you know, at practice, if you you know if you get tired, you go a little harder. You watch a little bit more film. You focus in just a little bit more on your assignment and uh you know it sort of sort of brings everybody together and I don't know I think it I think it causes us to practice harder and play better what do you know about middle Tennessee is uh you're getting ready for them uh what do you see and uh what's the challenge for you uh they do some some unorthodox things on defense you know they they got some exotic pressures that they can bring and blitzes and that sort of thing. But, uh, you know, other than that, I, I think they line up and play like a CUSA defense when they're not trying to do something crazy like that. So should be a good opportunity for us. Now, Will, jumping back to the 75 game and things like that, you all have gone through the ceremony before uh, you all have laid the roses on the fountain. The emotion of that and, and being at that ceremony previously, uh, does that carry into a game week with the 75 once you've experienced that? It absolutely does. And, you know, uh, I'm going into my fifth season here, and, you know, the longer you're here, you know, there's there's always something new to be learned about about this occasion. And, you know, you never really realize how deeply it impacted the community, but every year there's something new to be learned. There's something new that you figure out about it. And there's some new relationship that you make through this event. And, uh, you know, I, I think it just really brings a lot, like how, how serious it is, you know. What new, I'll say what, what new thing has stood out this year? Has that, has that new thing happened yet? Uh, not necessarily, no. The fact that you all use the 75 game every year and, and sort of, you know, you all have bonded through that. Do you think that that's helped you at all dealing with uh, the adversity caused by COVID? Because you all, you all had to go through, you know, the mental preparation of a 75 game and, and things of that nature. It seems like this this program's already tight knit because of what it's been through before. So something like this, uh, maybe it made it a little easier. Uh, you know, I think it might have might have helped us a little bit. You know, from the beginning of this season, we've sort of had our chip on our shoulder. Uh, you know, knowing that this is the 50 year anniversary of the of the plane crash, and uh, you know, hadn't hadn't been talked about a whole lot prior to this week, but it, it's always sort of stuck out in the back of my mind as the season's gone on. 
I think it has with a lot of other players. Will, have you looked back at the 1970 football roster at who wore number 50? I have. Uh, his name was Richard Dardinger. He was a center. Yep. He was the starting center. Yes, sir. What's that? What? What's that? How's that make you feel? Uh, it almost gives you like a like a like a personal connection. It gives you almost like I know I didn't I didn't ever meet Richard Dardinger, but it, there's almost like a like a bond that's there to an extent. You know, he was. You know, he can't. I did a little research on him. He came here as a walk-on, and he played linebacker and he played center. But you know, to know that the person who wore number fifty the year of the plane crash was an offensive lineman, and here it is fifty years later, and I'm number fifty, and I'm an offensive lineman. It's just it's one of those cool things, you know. Yeah, I went through the whole roster, and and I thought the two of you all that was the best connection out of the entire roster. I think it's cool, yes, sir. Thanks, Will. Is there anything since you all were talking the number, Will? Is there is there any type? I know that everybody talks about seventy five, but is there any special feeling for you wearing number fifty during the fiftieth year? Uh, I hadn't even thought about it, but it probably will be now. Yeah, he hadn't thought about it, but now he's going to probably have that in the back of his mind even more. Uh, when we continue, Devontae Beckett, you'll hear the full interview we had with him. When we continue with today's edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. You're listening to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Wrapping up today's edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. As promised, I've got Devontae Beckett and his thoughts about the game coming up on Saturday with Middle Tennessee. Also, the significance of the game being the 75 game. We'll try to get to all of Tavante uh, with the time remaining. But same question I have for Will Omer. Just want to get his thoughts on what this game means when you hear 75. It's a game that Doc talks about every year, most important on the schedule. Um, you, know, you know the significance of it, but uh, for you know, everyone listening, what, what does this mean to you when we say okay. it's a 75 game? Uh, it's kind of like, you know, while we put on our jersey, while we go out there and uh, – play football, you know, the ones before us. You know, when you come here, when I first got here, uh, I knew about the situation. But when you get here and, and, and you watch the movie and they, you have to watch the movie when you get here and you just sit and you realize that, like, you're in, like you're the team that's after them. Like, you get to go out and represent the herd and, and you know, we can do something very big. And it's kind of just crazy how this is the 50th year anniversary and, our year is going the way it's going, and it's just like a lot of pressure. It's not a, it's not known pressure, but you know, like we can do something very special, and it will mean a lot to this community to, to uh, get back to where it should be and winning championships and back in the '90s. And it's just an incredible turnaround, and the way we elevate in the jersey and, and putting on for Marshall right now is just uh, perfect for the, uh, for it to be the 50th year after the plane crash. You mentioned that pressure, and that's been something I've been asking. It's there. This is a significant game. How do you deal with it, knowing that there are higher expectations for this game? Because you know, you know for yourself, you hear it from your teammates. You guys say you don't lose this game. You can't lose this game. Yes, sir. Uh, I mean, it could be. It, it depends on. It can all be. You know, the type of player you are. For me, you know, you know, this this the pressure is, is what we 
what make the uh what makes you who you are, you know, when you uh you rise to that occasion, and uh, it's a lot. And you know, we know it's gonna be adversity because it's the, the opponent that's coming in the town, and you know, happened that we lost to them last year, so we know they're not gonna be afraid of us, no matter what our record is and, and the rankings. And we know uh we can't lose this game, so it's kind of like the mindset. No matter what the score is, we know uh we gotta make it happen. If we're losing at a point, we know we somebody got to make that play because it got to happen. We can't lose the game. It's just the mindset. And that's what goes, the hard work that's going to go in this week to pre uh, prepare for that. And uh, so the game time Saturday, it'll be easy, you know, because we already done put the work in and went even harder this week because of the week it is. Talking about Middle Tennessee, uh, you have familiarity with them, but what have you seen this year's edition? What do they look like? What's the challenges? Uh, you know, they, they're very similar to what they did last year. You know, they got a very dynamic quarterback and uh, I'm, I'm very familiar with. I watched them a lot last year and uh, I've been keeping up with him this year, you know, keeping an eye on him. You know, he's having a very solid year. We know he's going to try to use his leg and use his arm and, and he's going to be very dynamic doing both. And uh, they got the running back. He came back, he changed his number, but, you know, he's still the same player. You know, we know who he is. So. Uh, the line is very talented. You know, they're one of the toughest lines you'll play in college. You know, for me, it was a very challenging game. And I, I looked to uh, make more of a mark than I did last year. You know, I, I felt like I could have played way better. It was very early in my uh, in my season. And I'm just looking forward to uh, getting after it against them and uh, making a difference this time. Well, you look at O'Hara. And what was the most difficult thing about going up against him last year? Um, for me, I might have underestimated him a little bit. You know, I seen him uh, jumping around on film and trying to do, trying to make plays, and I respect that. But uh, as an athlete, sometimes you know you you, you uh, underestimate your opponent, and they uh, humble pie comes and uh, reminds you that you uh, you gotta prepare a little harder. You know, so knowing that this year, you know, I just know I gotta be on my p's and q's. One time he got outside last year and. Uh, he dead legged me and uh, I kind of missed him. He went and gained like 20 yards. So just a play that I kept with me. You know, I could have stayed inside, leveraged more and took it away. But uh, I learned from that play. That's one of the plays that I remember a lot from last year. And uh, it was on this highlight tape. So uh, I'm uh, ready to get out there. Well, Tamonte, last time we spoke, you had a few tackles in Western Kentucky and you told, you said you want to make a point of, you know, like I got to get more tackles. Next game you come out amazing amount of tackles. Are we looking for more and more of those as you come into this middle Tennessee game and how are you going to, you're talking a little bit about Asher being mobile and their defense, you know, their offense being like that. How are you going to execute that? Uh, I'm going to just play my game and, uh, you know, trust coach Lambo. Uh, I don't really chase tackles. I just try to run to the bar every play and, uh, the ball, you know, when you run to the ball, sometimes you get there before your others or the play just designed for you. And uh, I've been fortunate to uh, get a lot of tackles these last few weeks. But uh, for this for this week, man, I'm just, you, you know, this is the week you kind of just put everything to the side. You know, it's, it's bigger than us. And uh, I don't, I, I'm perfectly, like, honestly fine if I finish with zero tackles or one tackle. Like, because the pressure of just winning this game is just so much to us. It's just. We get the dub. That's all that matters. And uh, we can care about stats next week or whenever after the season, you know, depending on the type of player you are. But, yeah, um, of course, I'm ready to get out to Alex, but I don't care if I tackle Alex zero times as long as we uh, win. 
and I'll uh, make sure he don't he don't uh, mess it up, and then job is done for me. Devonte, you've uh, you've been a, you've been a part of a, a bunch of these seventy five games now. What have you learned throughout your years in participating in all these games? Uh, for me, you know, special things happen on this day. You know, I had one of my better games ever in my life. You know, that last. I won conference player of the week for the first time, the 75 game, you know, we got the win. And I just know, uh, you know, for me, you know, playing in a big time game like that and being, and being, and uh, me trying, wanting to be, me being a captain, you know, trying to be a big time player every game, you know, it's important for me to lay it all on the line and uh, have a great game like that, you know, knowing they're going to try to run the ball and stuff like that. So uh, just trying to uh, make plays. Devontae Beckett just trying to make plays. Uh, We'll hear more from him hopefully on game day as the Thundering Herd taking on Middle Tennessee. That does it for this edition of The Drive. Thanks for tuning in. I'm glad glad we'd have a a different, diverse show today. Uh, Lots going on. Don't forget, there's Maction tonight. Yeah, Maction! Eastern Michigan at Ball State. Toledo at Western Michigan, Central Michigan at Northern Illinois. Maction on your TV. Back tomorrow for more of our action. Drive. We'll come up with something. We'll focus group it. That's going to do it. Thanks for tuning in. I appreciate everyone who was with us today. And don't forget, back tomorrow to do it all over again here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. WRBC Huntington, W227BS Huntington, your flagship home of the Marshall Thundering Herd and The Drive with Paul Swan, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930.